This is the Baymaw Podcast with Marty Solomon, episode 23, Falling on Joyful Faces. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today we are looking at the construction of the tabernacle and its call to be a place of rest. We'll be covering Exodus 24 through 40. There would be quite a ways we could go about that. And we'll be looking at a couple different uh, angles to a lot of different ways we could talk about the tabernacle. Um, but just by means of review, just to remind ourselves, we dealt with the preface and the introduction in the book of Genesis. Uh, we learned all about who God was and some of the fundamental things that God was inviting his people to trust in. And if they would, we learned from the family of God, people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Uh, these are guys that taught us through their own struggles and their own failures. Uh, they and their families taught us what it meant to be hospitable. They taught us what it meant to trust the story. They taught us what it meant to be self-sacrificial uh, and put others first and how that brought the story back together rather than unraveled it. Um, and that was Genesis. And so God wanted to take that take those premises, um, the foundation of what he was trying to do in the world, and he needed to take a nation that would bless, he told Abraham in the back of the beginning of the story, uh, he wanted to bless all nations uh, using this chosen family of his. And so he rescued this family out of Egypt and um, and uh, and led them uh, through the Red Sea, tested them in the desert. Last week we looked at their arrival at Sinai, and he married them uh, in a big way. He, he had a wedding ceremony there um, and entered into a special covenant relationship where he said if they would agree... Uh, essentially to marry him, if they would agree to enter into that relationship, they would be a, a treasured possession. They would be his wife and and they would be a kingdom of priests. And we'll look at the kingdom of priests things next, but the whole rest of the book of Exodus ends up being about this construction of a tabernacle. And uh, first of all, if you've ever tried to read this, how does that go, Brent? Well, it's... Um... You know, it's a lot of fun. It's a tad bit detailed, maybe. <laughs> you just, you know, you breeze right through it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what we're really not wanting to say is it is boring as all heck to read. Like, oh my goodness. Like every little centimeter of the table of showbread. Like we got to talk about the poles and the rings and the, oh, do we got to give every exact dimension. And in fact, if, you pay, if you're paying close enough attention, which is a challenge in and of itself, uh, the instructions are actually given twice, um, which we forgot to talk about that last podcast. But uh, if we remember when the golden calf happened and God kind of picked up right where they left off, what he goes into is the details of the tabernacle. Because the golden calf is kind of like right in the middle of this whole deal. Yeah, like right after the the Sinai and the Ten Commandments, and then we we get into the uh, we get into the instructions of the tabernacle, golden calf, and then more and more stru- instructions about the tabernacle. And there's this. It's like God picks up. He's right in the middle. If you ever, I don't know if you've ever seen like a young couple, you and Maggie, when you bought your first house. I don't know if you ever sat down and talked about the the fixtures and the curtains and the all those little details. You're living in your first owned home, right? Yeah. You remember going through any of that process? I'm sure Maggie probably, she's a, she strikes me as a woman of fine taste. I'm sure she, you know. Very fine taste. <laughs> uh, I mean in the decorations of the house. Yeah. It's not a self-serving comment. Oh, uh, well, you know, I'm sure. If but, anything, I was probably the 
the worst choice she made then. Uh, we'll let her ride into the show yeah. and let us know all about that. But yeah, so if you ever watch these young couples when they go on their first home and they're like, if, if you can imagine God going through all the details of their, their home together, like the tabernacle, and then the golden calf happens, it's not just that God picks up, writes some new tablets and gets on with it. He goes right back into the details and Moses creates everything exactly according to each exact measurement. And you're like, do we have to go through this? But in the middle of this, you know, this, uh, adultery, adultery ridden wedding ceremony, uh, all of a sudden this takes whole new shape and God's like, yeah, we're going to pick up exactly where we left off. So what was it that you were saying about the bathroom fixtures again? Like, that's the kind of conversation we're having. So it's this long, extremely detailed uh, thing that's drawn out. And yet there are some stuff, there's some stuff going on in there. Uh, and again, it's hard to pay attention. It's not the most entertaining reading in the world. You might read it and say, I see why I haven't read this before. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but there are some things that happen as we look at it. We do have a presentation today. It's in your show notes. Um, and that first slide there has these references to Exodus. Um, we have uh, just more than a handful of them. And I'm going to have you read those. They're not typos, Brent. So I'm going to have you read these verses, but something really interesting happens here in Exodus. I want you to take a look at this for me. Give me Exodus uh, 25, verse 1. The whole verse? The whole thing. The Lord said to Moses. All right. All right. That's the one I wanted. Okay, let's, let's go to the next one here. We got Exodus 30, verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses. All right. I like that. Hopefully everybody's taking notes at home as we do this. Uh, Exodus thirty seventeen. Then the Lord said to Moses. All right. This is profound. I can tell everybody is just waiting to see what the next one is. How about uh, thirty twenty-two? Then the Lord said to Moses. All right. A little bit of a curveball there with the word then. Okay. How about uh, thirty thirty-four? Then the Lord said to Moses, take fragrant spices, gum resin, on, ancha, on, onica, and galbanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts. I feel like the uh, verse people should have like uh, stopped their verse a little earlier there. And it's a little bit inconsistent. But what was the first part of that one? Give me just uh, A. Then the Lord said to Moses. Excellent. How about uh, 31.1? Then the Lord said to Moses. All right. Uh, just for kicks and giggles, what about 31.12? Back to form there. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses. Okay, perfect. Now, uh, you're probably wondering like, Okay, those were the weirdest verses to pull out. What are you trying to get at? Did you happen to notice, Brent, how many verses we just quoted there? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was about seven. Okay, seven. So is there anything we can think of where something was made? We're talking about the, the creation of the tabernacle. Was there anything else that was created with seven and the Lord says? Creation. All right. I like that. And maybe if we're like... Uh, my suggestion here is that the pet tabernacle is pulling us back and throwing us back to creation. Ah. Now, some people might say, uh, well, just because there's seven and the Lord says. Well, yeah, but there's more than that. For instance, like, let's just take a look at the very last one. If we just went to 3132, uh, or excuse me, 3112, but looked at, say, verse 12 and 13, we'd see this. The Lord said to Moses, you must observe my Shabbats. They will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. And so the seventh and the Lord said ends up being exactly what you'd want it to be, which is about 
Sabbath. And so that makes all kinds of sense, but there's even more. Like, this isn't the only thing that draws us back to Genesis 1. We have the fact that in Genesis 2, at the end of the Genesis 1 story, we were told this, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh, he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, tell me if that sounds similar to this from Exodus. And so Moses finished the work, Exodus 40, 33. And you might even think of Exodus 39, just before that. The Israelites had done all the work just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. So Moses blessed them. There are a ton of parallels between those. It's so, you know repetitious in the same way. In the same way, absolutely. All of these throwbacks, all of these, in fact, I can even talk about the the actual linguistic words that were chosen in the Hebrew, two different ideas of creating, melacha, avodah, and how those are connected here and, and similar creations taking place in Genesis and Exodus and all kinds of parallels here. But it, it's not only this. We could also talk about, say, um, what is it that sits... Uh, what is it that sits in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, Brent? Uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And what's inside the Ark of the Covenant? The tablets of the covenant. Okay, so the law, essentially, we could say the law. What did they... They called the law a lot of things. Uh, the bread of life. They called the law... Um, the good shepherd, they called the law a lot of things. But what, what, uh, can you think of anything else they might have called the law? Uh, the marriage covenant. Okay, they call it the marriage covenant. What about, uh, anything from Genesis that they called it? Mm. Maybe like a, a tree? Oh, the tree of life. Ah, they called Torah the tree of life, right? So you have the tree of life and it sits behind a curtain. What's on the curtain according to the book of Exodus? <laughs> I should probably know this, huh? Man. Let this be a lesson to the listeners to know their text better. Ooh. So can you remember what was guarding the tree of life in the Genesis story? Uh, well, there's the cherubim after they were kicked out. And what's on the curtain in the tabernacle? Uh, pictures of cherubim. You better believe it. You see, the whole thing is this call back to Genesis, the whole tabernacle. And we could keep even talking about the different elements of the tabernacle. It's all like this call back to the Genesis story. But the, the tabernacle is this retelling of the story of Genesis. And um, one of the things that I found so interesting, um, the tabernacle goes by different names, obviously tabernacle, uh, but there's another name that gets used over and over and over again all throughout Torah. And what did they call the, what was one of the other names they called the the tabernacle? Uh, The tent of meeting. The tent of meeting. I did not even know this until the last time I taught Bema, the last go around, somebody was asking me a question. I was doing some extra study and bumped into the fact that the, the, the word that's used for tent of meeting in the Hebrew, the word meeting is the word moad. Now, Oof. can you remember where the word moad showed up? That's Genesis 1, the seasons. And the it was, center of the chiasm. Uh, it was the center of the chiasm. So this tent of meeting is actually the tent of seat. And it's not translated incorrectly by any stretch. The word can definitely mean meeting as in the seasons, the meeting of seasons, like... Uh, the schedule, the routine meetings. So the tent of meeting isn't inaccurate, but this is the tent of Moad. 
Like, this is a big, gigantic, mobile Genesis 1 story <laughs> that's just going everywhere with them. Um, but then as I kept studying, uh, I ran into even other things that I found. Um, uh, by the way, while, while I'm still here, I should mention that that first part of our discussion today, uh, uh, really, I, I'm taking that from a lesson I was taught by my teacher, Ray Vanderlaan, um, very directly. In fact, you can actually watch it on a video, uh, volume 10, which was titled with all your heart in the same series that we looked at a few podcasts ago when we watched volume eight, two volume, two volumes later than volume 10, the first two, uh, lessons there. Um, I believe one of them is called build me a sanctuary and the other one is called creating space for God. Uh, those two uh, lessons actually go through in a lot more detail, even, um, what we talked about already today. So I recommend uh, looking at that if you're interested in, in doing that. You can hear that the way I heard it the first time and now pass on to you. I'll have a link for that in the show notes for you. Perfect. Guys. Love it. Uh, but then there was one other thing. And as I was just studying Exodus, um, there's a discipline that I do where I kind of write out the skeleton, what I call the skeleton of all the books. I kind of take the subtitles from the NIV and I, I just kind of roll a dice every morning, whatever book comes up, uh, that's the book that I kind of try to recite the skeleton. It just increases my familiarity with the text and those kind of things. We'll talk disciplines actually here in the next podcast. But, um, uh, one of the things I was noticing as I went through the skeleton of Exodus was I thought I was seeing a lot of repetition. Repetition. In fact, I, I felt like I was seeing a lot of inverted repetition in the construction of the tabernacle. And if you see inverted repetition, what do you immediately think, Brent? There's a chiasm. Yeah, I immediately think there's a chiasm. So I kind of looked into it a little bit and sure enough found on your next slide uh, the chiasm that sits in the construction of the tabernacle. So you have these this kind of eight paracope, this eight uh, stanza, eight-sectioned chiasm. Uh, where section one and eight are about the glory of the Lord. It's in the middle of chapter 24 and chapter 40 at the end of the book. Uh, The next layer in, uh, layer two and seven, would be uh, big sections, about four chapters or so apiece uh, on the tabernacle and the priestly garments, almost in the same order, but slightly different. Uh, would be a larger conversation there. And then the next layer in, uh, layer three and six, would be the two sections on Bezalel and Aholiav uh, in chapters 31 and 35. Um, And then uh, layer four is all about the Sabbath, chapter 31, verses 12 through 18. And layer five is all about the Sabbath, chapter 35, verses one and three. And that leaves this whole section in the middle, which happens to be Um, the story that we were talking about earlier, the golden calf sits just as you said earlier, right in the middle of this tabernacle chiasm. And you're like, golly, I wonder what the center of that's going to be. And the center of that ends up becoming Exodus 33, 14. And based on our conversation we've already had, you're not going to believe it unless you read it yourself. But if you've got it there, go ahead and read that to me, Brent. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So the whole center of this entire tabernacle chiasm ends up again being another assertion of Genesis 1 and another callback to rest. It's like wherever the tabernacle goes, it's this mobile reminder of Genesis 1. 
It's this constant invitation every day in the center of your camp, everywhere you go, wherever the tabernacle is set up. It's this constant reminder to call you back to the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the acceptance of God, and the rest that trusting the story uh, provides you. Now, what's interesting about that is when you study the opening of these houses. When they opened this house, the tabernacle, the first house, when they opened that house, uh, we're told about it in Leviticus. And we're told in Leviticus 9, verses 23 and 24. Uh, do you have that? Do you want to read that for me? Uh, yeah. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Okay, so they're having this big, huge grand opening, uh, Book of Leviticus, big, huge grand opening for the tabernacle. They put sacrifices on the altar. Fire comes out from the Holy of Holies, consumes the, the sacrifices on the altar, and the people fall face down on the ground. And when I first heard that the very first time, and this is also in those videos I recommended from Ray, by the way, um, when I first heard that for the first time, I assumed they were falling face down on the ground. Why? Uh, fear. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, the fire and God and crazy. Like, oh my goodness. Kind of like what we were talking about last podcast with Mount Sinai. Yeah. Like I would have thought, but no. See, they understand the tabernacle is this place of unbelievably good news. So it says that they felt, they shouted for joy and they fell face down. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. Um, we can go to the next time they built this house, not in its temporary tabernacle form, but then they built what would be known as Solomon's temple. We're told about it in Second Chronicles chapter 7. And if you have that one, go ahead and read that passage for me. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. And so again, we have almost a repeat of what happened centuries before in the book of Leviticus. Grand opening of the temple, sacrifices on the altar, fire comes, out, uh, comes down from heaven, consumes the sacrifices, the people fall face down, giving thanks and joy, uh, they're worshiping, his, he is good, his love endures forever. And I remember when I was learning this, Ray, walking up, shaking his finger in my face and saying, but this wasn't the last temple that was ever opened. And he said, remember in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, God opened up a new temple and fire came out of the old temple and it split apart into tongues of fire and came to rest on the new temple. And God opened up a brand new temple and had a grand opening and it's you and me. And then his voice got real deep and he said, if that's how people reacted whenever they found the temple of God, if they fell on their face and shouted with joy and said, the Lord is good, his love endures forever, then what in the world should people do when they meet you? The new temple of God. And it was one of those really convicting uh, moments for me that when other people 
meet the temple of God today. The temple, not just me, not just you, but the collective us together that make up what the New Testament calls the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. If people were to walk up and meet this temple, they should be people that would fall. The reaction should be that people would fall on their face and shout with joy, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. And it convicts me to sit back and ask the question if that's the experience that people have when they meet followers of Jesus. I don't know if, uh, if I listen to some of the uh, some of the Barna research, some of the stuff that's come out over the last decade or two, if that's the reaction that the world has when they meet God's people. But if we are a new temple, then we are a mobile reminder of Genesis 1. We are a call back to the garden that invites people. We should be a tent of Moad, a tent of seasons, calling people back to the goodness of the story, inviting them to trust the story, and, and, and giving them an experience that would make them fall on their face and worship God because he's so good and his love endures forever. And I love that, that image from Second Chronicles. If you carry it forward into the temple as we see it in Acts, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And then it kind of repeats itself. No, seriously, the priest could not enter the temple because the glory of the Lord filled it. Yeah. Like what, what is that? Like the glory of the Lord filling the temple as you see it in Acts. Like, right. That's, that's powerful. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of things we could do with that into the book of Acts. It's really good. Cause it's not that, it's not that specific physical place anymore. It's no. everywhere. Like right. the glory of the Lord filled it. Like, whew. yep. Yep. Uh, that's the power of the story of Acts, and we're way ahead of ourselves, obviously, in the narrative, but man, the story of Acts, the powerful nature of the story of Acts is that this thing that used to be centralized and contained in Jerusalem went out all over to the ends of the earth, but with the same presence and the same glory and the same power and what we would hope and assume would be the same reaction to people who saw the glory of the Lord. May it be so. Little little teaser trailer for what's to come in Acts. Ooh, yeah, little teaser trailer. Don't worry, that'll be like, uh, what, three, four years from now? Yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll get there. Eventually. All good for this one? I think we're good for this one. Sounds good. It's good stuff. There's enough conviction in there if we really take it to heart to probably hold this over for a week. Yeah, definitely. Well, if you live on the Plus, we hope you join us for discussion groups in Moscow on Tuesday or in Pullman on Wednesday. If you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon. You can find me on Twitter at EIBCB. Find more details about the show at BamaDiscipleship.com, including show notes for this episode. Make sure you check out those videos from Ray if you have a chance. And uh, thanks for joining us on the Bama Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.